Linux OTC. Welcome to episode 11. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Norbert. I'm Leo. I hope not to disappear. I have been running Hyperland for, I think, almost two months. Oh, Norbert, where'd you go? Oh, well, I'm here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a, a Wayland uh, compositor slash window manager. Yeah, I've heard of that. What's and it look like? It has uh, really nice eye candy. And uh, I'm not in the sense that it, it looks pretty because it has animations, but the animations, I actually, at one point, I told Leo that I like Sway specifically because it has no animations at all. But now, since I've been using this, it's really nice to uh, get the f- visual feedback of where windows are moving and uh, stuff like that. It even has the the, the GNOME-like uh, one-to-one touchpad gestures, which I really like on a laptop. How can, uh, how can I look at this Hyperland thing? Uh, Hyperland.org. Hyperland, uh, well, but without then- the letter E. Oh, oh, I, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where did I you typed. go, Bill? Well, I, mean, I just, I just Google searched. Yeah, you know, all, <laughs> I say Google. I, I, uh, duck, duck, goad. Yeah, oh, all, I said Google. My phone. Know, all, went nuts. Uh, all fast projects have to have a quirky, quirky name, a weird name. Yeah, ah, uh, see, that's so, what makes um, it magical. So it's got blur. That's like yeah. the only thing I require. Yeah. For, uh, yeah, for uh, yeah, you like blur, yeah. Oh, so, oh yeah, oh yeah. Sway is very. You know stable. what this looks like? It looks like that Maui thing that we was talking about about a year uh, ago. Ah, Maui kit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's for man. That's that's actually coming along pretty well. Uh, it's looking yeah. really good on the phone, man. One day, I gotta maybe. Give this a look because this looks yeah. proper modern. Nah, uh, the reason I said I hope <laughs> I won't disappear <laughs> because work. it is uh, it's not stable yet. It's uh, one version zero point twenty six. Yeah, and Bill they doesn't care f- about stability. He's running on uh, Alpha Audacity, dude. Yeah, we're literally I, I already using found, Alpha uh, software right now. <laughs> I already found two uh, things that I can't do because they consistently. Uh, crash the entire compositor. One of them is, uh, I think it might have been fixed by now, In uh, when GTK2 apps, uh, cl- dragging stuff in GIMP, which is basically the only GTK2 app I use, uh, like dragging, reordering tabs would uh, crash it. And the other thing is there's uh, something called FCI uh, wait, F, uh, FCITX which mm-hmm. I use to when I want to have Japanese input. Which oh, uh, okay. if I if I start that on Hyperland and I try it in multiple distros, it also crashes the compositor. So I will uh, I will have to, I guess I should uh, report that as a bug because. So what if I am using unstable software? Is it using it is the compositor itself. You know, the, oh. the thing about Wayland is that on on traditionally, if you're running X, you have the display server, which is the X Windows X server. Right. You have the window manager which is whatever your desktop uses, uh, Matter for GNOME and Cinnamon for, uh, sorry, Muffin for Cinnamon and Kevin for KDE. And then you also have a compositor, which is sometimes uh, there are window managers that can do compositing. I think Matter does that. And also XFC's window manager can do compositing. But uh, on Barebones window managers, you also have to have a third thing, which is a compositor that you would run. On the valence side, all of those three things are one in the same. 
So if you're running, uh, if you're running GNOME, then Matter is your your uh, display server. I guess uh, we can we could use that term here, and your compositor and your window manager. So the same is goes for Sway and Hyperland. So it's it's a three in one thing. So basically, in order for Wayland to work, all of the developers for the um, compositing engines have to be working along with the Wayland thing because they they're taking on the task of their traditional workflow in addition to performing compositing tasks. Yeah, How dare yes. they take independent projects and merge Just them into one monolithic people project? people to well, do your job They are not really you. doing that it's because... It's like System D! They're not really... I mean, it, in a way, it's a good thing because the, the big problem with, with XORG was... And well, the X, this is uh, what the S System D guys yeah. said, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the whole problem with it is that it wasn't right. consistent. There was no consistency there. Well, consistency is good. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, no, okay. I mean, you heard it here first, folks. Norbert's no. all in on System D, loves it. Unless it's consistently I like it bad, because, and then because that's not... I know how to use it, and yeah, you know, yeah, very, yeah, it, yeah, me too. It behaves as I expected, but you yeah, know, since, you know, they, uh, since in, like CentOS Seven, man, um, you you've had to know it, so I've had to know it. <laughs> uh, the you thing, can't get uh, from it. important thing about Xorg is that Xorg itself was also consistent because it was the same, more or less the same display server on everywhere you were running anything graphical. But that meant that everything had was in the same one. It was one big code base, and it was getting really big, and was hard to maintain. Yeah. So the reason Wayland, the reason on Wayland you have all these separate projects is that the the base Wayland protocol is very minimal. So if you were just to use that and create a, a desktop, it was it would probably not be very usable. So Wayland uh, uses a very small uh, base implementation with uh, extensions. So various implementations can have uh, various implementations. So currently the three big implementations are GNOME, KDE, and WR Roots. So everything that is not GNOME or KDE is using uh, the WR Roots library, which I think they have, uh, they are trying to work together with KDE to uh, make them more standardized across the two. So are you, are, so, okay, let me get this straight. So is that, does that kind of mean that like nowadays, uh, like all these apps are based on GTK. This doesn't have anything to do with that, the WL Roots thing. Uh, the only way I would think is that GTK itself, GTK 3 and 4 both support X, uh, both support Xorg and Wayland. But GTK 4 has a uh, can do graphical acceleration, which GTK 3 uh, is not capable of as far as I know. Does it help to think of WL Roots and things of the of the like as more of an API layer. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. these things have to, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, th I think, I think that's... Uh, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've been writing kind of two worlds with this for a long time because on, on Arch with KDE, I've been using it for years and, you know, I've kind of watched it get better and better and better. And the things that it wouldn't do for a long time that I needed fixed or seemed to be fixed at this point. But then sitting here, I'm on mint cinnamon, which, you know, we don't necessarily have a clear roadmap as to when it's going to be implemented on there. Um, 
I feel like if it works on GNOME, uh, eventually we're not going to have much choice because everything that Cinnamon is, unless I'm mistaken, is sort of based yeah. on uh, past versions of GNOME. And they recently, so, uh, originally it was based on the the GNOME 3 version of Matter. But yeah. last year or the year before that, they rebased it to Matter to, I think, yeah. 3. Uh, the 3.36 equivalent, maybe. You know, the interesting thing about, to me, the interesting thing about uh, Matter and Kvin is that you can run GNOME and KD in both, on both Xorg and Wayland. So when you're running them on Wayland, they are the compositors. But when you are running them on Xorg, they act as X window managers. So I wonder if they achieved that in the same binary. So is it is it just the the one uh, matter binary that can either act as a valent compositor or a uh, X window manager? Mm, gotta get on the gnome forums well, for that one, man. <laughs> so you got X Wayland, <laughs> and if again, if you think of it as a compatibility layer, it's just kind of passing on yeah. the. Uh, and that's why everything the, looks the terrible yeah. when you scale. Yeah, it's X, passing on those yeah. calls to X Wayland. X Wayland is basically a fake uh, X screen. When you run, yeah. you open an app that has no valent compatibility whatsoever and it, it it's looking for the, the, the X display to draw its window to put its window there to request its window drawn. Then you can X, tell X, too X will end uh, says look here's an X X uh, window you can draw your window there mm -hmm. and then X will end just puts that on your valent screen. And it's not perfect. I've got a couple apps. I mean fortunately they're just the kind of apps where you're you read something and then type something in like uh oh i know i don't want to hear it grub customizer oh my on. god i don't want to hear it uh oh you're gonna hear it i got it i mean From arch the, on, i mean it's still multiple it, they, levels yeah well i use it you'll never be I able to, to fix what you break man if it breaks i have to be able to make uh i have to be able to make fonts you have to be able to make peace a, with the fact that Grub is just going to be toast if it ever well, dies. Well, you know, I use Grub because I've got my laptops are completely <laughs> encrypted, root uh, and home. So Grub seems to be the one that works better with that. Yeah, I, I also I also I, went back to using Grub on my desktop with Silverblue because it just comes with Grub by default, and I don't want to layer other things on top of Silverblue. And it it handles yeah, I mean, the switching by default between the versions. How come, Bill? Why do you encrypt? Well, I, I'm i sure that you could probably get systemd boot to work, but you get when you use the Arch install, Scrap uh, gives you... I mean, it, it goes with systemd boot by default, and then you go through the actions of encrypting everything, and then it won't it won't boot. It can't find the uh, root. And I, I found fixes for that, but it requires you getting in and getting fiddly with it and... Whereas if you just tell it to use Grub instead, it just works. So, I mean, As the only thing I use Grub Customizer for was to create bigger fonts because it's a 15-inch screen at 4K. So if you just let Grub do its thing, you can't read it, even with these glasses on. That's what a magnifying so, glass is for. You just got to have it handy, ready to go. Yeah, right. And so I just... I just use it to create the because it's it's an easy way to I mean there is a grub make font 
convoluted command that's about this long that you could do but grub customizer just pick it and then go i mean but the point i was trying to make was that's one of those apps that has to have x whalen and you can see everything is crystal clear sharp on the screen you bring up something that's using x whalen and it looks it blurry it looks yeah like uh it's trying and failing at something, you yeah. know. It it look so, like these apps look slightly out of focus, and it's not just like the content of the app. It's like the the window controls and everything else too. Like just the whole thing is slightly. You out can of focus. tell it's using something outside of the uh, normal protocols yeah, to make and, that. And it looks like uh, Nome announced a couple of days ago that they're building in the uh, the scaling stuff. It's going to look pretty much like what Windows and Mac. Well, actually, it's going to look exactly like the Mac one. Uh, where you have uh, essentially like little windows in the in the settings window, and it's got different mm. sizes of fonts. Uh, what it will look like if you scale to this particular thing. It's got the warning down at the bottom, like Mac does, where it says not all applications will look perfectly on you know in yeah. these scaling modes, whatever. Um, but I think that's PD really Plasma cool. Plasma has something similar to mm. that, where you can choose to either allow plasma to do the scaling or allow its own tool toolkit to do it which la allowing its own toolkit never seems to work so yeah. but uh, uh but i think that's really cool because uh it it signals that gnome is actually putting the um the work in to get scaling as good as it can be um and uh, <laughs> i need I, you know i have to have it say what you want about gnome i think they've been doing and the people that are behind gnome have been doing a lot of the heavy lifting for a very long time with a lot of these new technologies that are moving us forward you know it's a lot of the same people oh yeah and, yeah and uh, um i don't know man they, they butt heads a lot with uh with folks that want them to do it a different way but they're the ones doing the work man yeah so uh, I don't know. I guess um, if you're contributing code and they're just slapping it down, uh, that's a different kind of situation. But uh, yeah, I mean, people... You never get that idea with GNOME. You you always feel as though... And and I don't use it. <laughs> but it, I its quality, though, I think is yep. notable because as if it doesn't work, it won't be put in. So. One of the best have... desktops out there, man. Uh, what, what are you going to do? It is. It is. And that's kind of my my attitude about Mint too, because it's here on this machine that I use for some of my most serious work, and I don't want Clem putting it in until he knows that everything is going to work to the degree that a Mint user expects. Yep. I wonder how much and, uh, they can uh, bring over from Gnome's implementation. Because, it seems like it ought to be quite a bit, because. I know that currently XFCE, they are working on their Wayland uh, uh, session. And at one point I heard that they were trying to use, uh, they were they wanted to go the WR roots route. And maybe that's no longer the case. I will have to check on that. But because uh, how Cinnamon, uh, how close it is to GNOME and Matter, I, I think it would make sense to, to make it, uh, to use the same, you know, the thing about GNOME, uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. If you want the most stable Wayland experience, it's currently GNOME because that's where uh, the majority. <gasps> because How you know, as far as implementations, get so, it out of here. Oh man! And <laughs> I'm using it 
on my desktop in yeah. oh, that's, with, a, that's, um, that's two strikes Norbert. two strikes I do You're that about to be off because show. I'm using it with the proprietary NVIDIA drivers <laughs> three strikes I'm You're done You're and done. I'm out well I will I will probably be out soon because Hyperland will you want this me. NVIDIA card laying on my table behind oh, me oh man <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do with and, that stupid uh, thing so I think put it, it in would... a shadow box dude hanging up behind you and just be like well, you know, graveyard the, 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 Weird thing about it is it works just as good as this one does with the Nouveau driver. I, well, I know but what you I've could do with it. You could just run Windows. The, the thing about the Nouveau drivers <sighs> is your experience greatly depends on what card you are using. As far as mm. I'm aware, older cards, uh, they work better with Nouveau. Because... Uh, well, it's like the kernel, right? Like, it's better hardware support, yeah. but it takes and, time. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's a mm. kernel. I mean, I think it's... Uh, Nuvo was uh, mainly designed for not the current uh, latest generation of uh, NVIDIA mm. cards. So if you have like a, so I have a 1060 and on some distros, like I think it was Debian, it was very uh, laggy with uh, Nuvo. So if you, were, if you have a card that is older than that, so maybe a, ni- a 900 series, maybe that, uh, that Nuvo would work better. Well, you know, it yeah. would work better if you just didn't have NVIDIA in the first place. I do, yeah. because I like it on the Windows side, but mm. on my la- in my laptop. That's four strikes. That's four. four. Strikes. Yeah. four. We're not doing so well, Norbert. Can I, We're yeah. going to have to have a talk. It's Can I redeem myself? In my laptop, I <laughs> have no NVIDIA card, and I would never buy an NVIDIA laptop, because, well. Because they get it, hot. Yeah, well, in you know, in a laptop, <laughs> what I look for the most is battery life, and I don't yeah. do much in terms of graphics intensive stuff. So even if I get a, a, a framework at one point, I'm not sure if I would want to get uh, one of those uh, swappable dedicated so you GPUs. you just want battery it. life? That's that's the main thing? Yeah, I would Oh, probably... so you want an M1 Mac then? To get like a used one? Well, if <laughs> you, you know, you, 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 you fell right strikes. into the trap. You, you mean... intend it as a, that as a joke, but if when Asahi Linux gets to the point where it's Perfect. Oh, I... battery life won't be there. But mm-hmm. but you could just run Mac OS and then run Brew and then get all your stuff that way. I'm already See? running Brew. God, God I, I know. Feel that's like what I, need I mean. That's now. Right. You get a Mac maybe? and then you get a Mac <laughs> and then nothing changes. You're you're in the terminal ninety percent of the time and you just you're good. You're good, man. Yeah. Could I install Bash? <laughs> maybe I could get used to the SH. No, you could you could install Bash. You know you can get Bash mm. from Brew. So you're ah, good. okay. Yeah. And macOS so is an immutable a... system, so that's also mm-hmm. nice. See, and you're on, yeah. Well, you're all in on this immutable thing, aren't you, uh, Norbert? No, the, the reason why I started thinking about it is that I have four devices with Linux, and I don't want to have to think about uh, keeping four devices up to date. I Here's my laptop that I use most of the time. I like tinkering with it. I don't. I, th- I thought about maybe trying uh, OpenSUSE on microOS because it's less, as far as I know, it's less, uh, it's uh, it's easier to install stuff on it than on Silverblue. But on my desktop, I have Silverblue. It auto-updates in the background, doesn't change the system. When it reboots, it gets a new system. And because it's the, the Ublue image, it uh, has the tested NVIDIA kernel module. That's nice. On my tablet, I've been waiting for Debian 12. And now it's uh, it's uh, they had the fourth release candidate, so I put that on there because I don't I only use a tablet for sometimes watching movies, so I don't have really have, want to worry about updates. So Debian twelve is another way for me to not have to worry uh, about updates. I haven't looked at Debian in a while. Do, is do there? 
Does their official ISO come with the non-free yep. drivers yep, now? Yeah, it does. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. They will have the official release on the 10th, so a week from now. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, oh, so speaking of, of the uh, the micro OS thing, they renamed those. They're not micro OS anymore. Yeah, they they have. A, I don't know. The, I don't remember the names, but they also have fancy Eon. names like Eon for the GNOME one mm-hmm. and Kalpa for the KDE mm-hmm. one. But I know what Eon means. Is it with an A or an E? A A E. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. I know oh, that is that supposed to be yeah, that, it, it means that the same thing. A. It always means me. Yeah. I know that uh, the the Fedora ones are named after minerals. Except for silver blue, so the KDE one is is kinoite, the XFC one is voxite, and the Sway one is sericea. Uh, I want to say, yeah. So I think those are all all minerals. I do not pay attention enough to the immutable yeah. stuff to know. I I'm not sure if uh, these names might be confusing. So in my I th- I think it was I've heard. Uh, uh, what's the name of the Fedora lead? Uh, Matthew Matthew Miller. Michael Miller. I I uh, Miller. in a yeah. interview I heard Matthew Miller say that they want to that what he would personally like is to have the Fedora Atomic as the as the brand name. Yeah, so I was it, gonna say because yeah. that is confusing. Like, what what is a Kino White? If yeah. if I come across so, that, how am I, I supposed to know that yeah. that's KDE or whatever yeah. whatever that is? I I like to think of these as as uh, code names because I. At, when we get that. You know it's KDE because it starts with a K, Leo. Well, well I guess. But what about the Voxite? How, <laughs> what, know, how, what, is, what does that tell me? put one and one together. I haven't realized that Kinoite is Kinoite because it starts with a K. Well, so is Kalpa. Yeah, before, yeah. That's o- like the first thing yeah. I thought. Yeah, OpenSUSE Kalpa is the same way. It starts with yeah. a K, right? But, yeah. but how, how do I know that GNOME is associated with Eon? How do I know that XFCE on the Fedora side is associated with Voxite? How am I well, supposed to know any of this stuff? What well, is what does that tell me? I was it's like a I, whole community around this. I was in the the microOS installer yesterday because I wanted to check something how it does the the partitioning, and you can select uh, microOS minimal. You can select microOS GNOME. In parentheses it says uh, RC, and there's the KDE one where it says Alpha. So maybe these are also just code names. I mean, so I hope so. Going I back, hope there's some yeah. kind of umbrella name because yeah. there is there's no way for me to know what any of this stuff actually Maybe is. Maybe their plan is that whenever we get to the point where these will be the main offerings of the distros, they just drop the names and they will be just called yeah. Fedora and, and OpenSUSE. Was it here that we were talking about that when, when we're yeah. thinking yeah. about when that's actually going to happen? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't know if that will ever happen. Yeah. I mean, I'd like it. Too. I, That'd be really cool because then it would, it would, it would make them a whole lot more reliable. I think. I um, actually really like the name uh, Fedora. No, uh, the Micro OS because it, it's short. It, it's to the point. But I guess it's called that. Oh, it's because, a what point though? Well, I don't know. You know, there's Fedora sure, Core. Sure. Yes. The Fedora's immutable version of the stripped down system is Fedora Core. So Fedora Core mm-hmm. and Fedora and the uh, Open Source Micro OS. Okay, I got you. Those names make sense. But uh, whenever... There's a cool GitHub page here called Awesome Immutable. Yeah, and they've got it's a, by a rather George Castro. exhaustive list. And yeah. I, I I was browsing that quite a bit. Uh, and I, I mean, noticed it's a pretty that, exhaustive list. I noticed that I think uh, Clear Linux wasn't on the list. Is, Is that immutable? Uh, Clear is not immutable. In a way, yes, because... Uh, 
it's funny how the different distros try to implement the immutability in very different ways. So clear Linux, is, their focus is on just separating the system files from the config. So when you install clear Linux, the slash Etsy folder is empty because mm. ev- any configuration that is default lives somewhere else. So if you want to change a config, you copy it to, et- to Etsy and you modify it. And if you want to revert to the uh, default config, you just delete the files from Etsy. And if it doesn't that's see cool. them, it just like that. falls back. So that's one way. Uh, you know, Silverblue with the image base, uh, OS3, they are, they are trying to do the, the bit by bit uh, similar to just the identical systems deployed. So you're not really supposed to overlay packages, but you can if you really have to. Mm. And MicroOS... So is as far as I can tell, they just do. If you want to do anything as root, install packages, you go into a special shell, and when you enter the special toolbox. shell, it no not not toolbox, not toolbox. It's a it's a transactional it's shell. Toolbox. It's not toolbox. Oh. So when you enter the transactional shell, it creates a butterfly snapshot, and anything that you run in the shell install installation modification, it applies to the the new snapshot. And when you reboot, wow. you reboot into the new snapshot. So as far as I can tell, you can install packages in microOS, but they're they're they just do this. Uh, it, they do the same thing as as vanilla OS does with AB root. That anything you modify goes to the next uh, snapshot, butterfly snapshot. So I'm curious about this toolbox thing. That I well, I've only ever actually seen this in. Silver blue and Kinoite, where it starts up this shell toolbox to give you, and uh, I mean, can that be used to change configurations on the root? No, no. Toolbox or and distrobox that... are basically front ends for a a Podman or Docker com- container. So you pull down. It's it's like a virtual machine without virtualization. You are still using the system's kernel, but you enter a separate uh, environment. So it's like it's like a cheroot, but you're not cherooting into a different computer. You're cherooting inside inside a box on your system. So then, when you're when you stop using toolbox, does that container get destroyed then, no. or is that if you can destroy? I haven't tried toolbox. I have tried distrobox. As far as I know, they are very similar. You can create multiple containers. You can have uh, a Debian container, a Arch container, a Fedora container. You enter the container. You have all the binaries that are in the container in the image. So DNF, apt, and pacman. And you can install packages inside the container. Feels like learning how to work Linux well, all over Yeah, those over are separate again. containers, right? Yeah. Like apt has its own yeah. container. DNF yeah, yeah. has its own container. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the um, great thing is that you can... Of course, you can install packages with uh, the containers package manager, but you can run them, and if, even works with graphical applications. Mm-hmm. So, I've, and, I tried and there's it. even uh, there's even like connections between the container and the actual root system, yeah, yeah, so that you can make configuration changes. Each and container stuff. has its own root file system, mm. but yeah. it mounts your own home uh, partition for them. Exactly. So you have yeah. your so, same configs, okay. your same bashers, so everything. Th- this is why so I think vanilla is going to win. This, this is why I think vanilla is going to win. Just yeah. simply because uh, I think they have the best implementation of this immutability you thing. Open... I think they have the best implementation of the containerization thing. And uh, Apex, Apex, whatever it is, Apex. Um, is is probably by far the best way to handle 
all of it in like one central location. Yeah. My only concern is that with via this method you are using the uh, app to Pacman DNF the regular package managers. Those were designed to be managing your system and not a container. So maybe in the future there will be alter alternative versions of these uh, package managers that are more optimized for a container because I would assume that the package managers are just the standard package managers and they don't expect to be running inside a container. So, yeah. and by default you, you don't have a separate init system for the container. So you cannot have services running inside the container. But hmm. but you were asking, Bill. Essentially, well, you would want to that, use. Hold it. on, that that hmm? doesn't. I I don't see why that would be a, an issue. These things have been running in Docker forever. Like you can you can spin up Ubuntu yeah. like as a Docker container, and, and then you, you can, can do have things. a separate uh, PID one. Yeah, yeah. System. So okay. uh, yeah, I don't I don't see any reason why doing it in a different kind of container. What it, this uses <laughs> Podman, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, or is it LXC? can use uh, both that I, I, I'm using Podman because that's what's on Fedora but uh, I, I almost got into Podman because uh, I've been I've been searching for a new hypervisor uh, and so I just used KVM and Cockpit on top of Fedora server for a little while um, and they have the, the plugin for Podman yeah. like, mm, that could be nice so, but it's not one to one with Docker and Docker's what I know so um, that was a little. Mm, it's a bit of a learning curve to go from one to the other. It's not. It's not quite a drop-in replacement like I expected, but um, it's it's almost there. It's yeah. pretty close. So the gist of it is that you want to use a toolbox or distrobox when you want to install a package that is not on your immutable system without having to modify your immutable system. So anything you install with toolbox. Will have its own container. No, it, like if I install GIMP, yeah, distrobox, right? You have a the distro is the container. Like if you install a if you if you tell it to do a distrobox uh, install Debian, it will pull the Debian image, and you have a one single Debian container, and anything you install okay, inside so goes you can, into that you one can container. You can kind of think about this like uh, I know it is not. I know it is not. But you can kind of think about this like is in running a VM of Debian, and then running GIMP in Debian. But it's seamless. It just runs on your actual system itself. So if I want the Arch version of yeah. Audacity yeah. and the Ubuntu version of OBS Studio or something like that, I can have you can do that, yeah. basically the best of everyone that way. Or you can have four versions of Audacity. You can just have all of the different yeah. Audacities from the different repositories and then just run them all side by side and figure out which one is the best. You can actually do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I can see some value in that, really, because Vanilla there OS, are dude. tools. Yeah. I've got the website in front of me. It looks exactly like Elementary OS's website. Now, they're, they're but... moving to Debian, as far as I understand. But um, one of the things that is happening, that will happen in 2404, speaking of Ubuntu, is that Ubuntu will have an immutable offering now. Yes. That's, and... It's going to be essentially Snap Core with a desktop on top that is just immutable like the rest of all these other things. And then you just layer snaps on top. Yeah, but maybe not the same way because, you know, Silverblue is that it gets built and it's get, it gets downloaded to your system and there is no package management going on on your system. But mm -hmm. if uh, you have the system components into inside these snaps, which are like, I like to think of it as like package bundles that are also containerized. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. I think what they are trying to do is that 
you have the system core, and then you have, uh, for example, they. I know that they uh, they are moving the uh, even in the regular Ubuntu the the cups printing stack into inside the snap. So each of these snaps are immutable in their own right and can be. Mm-hmm. So basically, you have. But that if they do that, then Ubuntu will essentially be a rolling system because you you can. Great. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> yeah, thank My you. Only no, 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 the, the, Here's yeah. here's the here's the real value add here, for people like Bill that refuse to stop using Nvidia stuff, that there is going to be a snap I... of a precompiled kernel with the Nvidia stuff all built in. It's built in, and so you have this leaning tower of snaps, and all Bill has to do is say, "Well, I want the Nvidia kernel," and they remove the normal kernel. They replace it with the NVIDIA kernel, and you reboot. Yeah. And you still have this immutable system, and it works with NVIDIA. It is, I think, one of the best ways to implement all of this stuff that's really kind of hard to understand for regular folks. It's a modular system. Yes. And I really, you know, how people have been. And all the old Linux heads are like, wow. People have been <laughs> but I debating, hate Ubuntu anyway. <laughs> you know the 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 good the big old uh, flat flatpacks versus snaps debate. I don't think it really makes sense because flatpacks and snaps are for yes. two different things. I agree. The flatpacks are for sandboxing and uh, packaging uh, graphical applications. Snaps and snaps are, are too. Snaps, they, yes, they snaps do do that. are for packaging and sandboxing anything on your system. Yes. And and this is this is why yeah. I love running Ubuntu on a server. This this is why because snaps can do uh, command line utilities. Where whereas uh, I don't know if Flatpak can do it. They just don't do it. So there there are no CLI utilities that Sna- I know of. Snaps are Flatpak. kind of kind of like uh, Docker containers, but but more native right. to Ubuntu. Exactly. And and so th- this is what I've been looking forward to for for years. I mean, Snapcore has been around for almost a decade, if not more, mm. and. Uh, this this is the this is what I've wanted for the longest time because you could see it coalescing back then. Um, this is what uh, Shuttleworth was talking about a long time ago. He had, he had mentioned desktop back then too. It just that part, the desktop part of this whole snap system from top to bottom, just never happened until well, it's going to be in the future. Next in about a, uh, I uh, only months. have one big problem slash critique for snaps. Okay. Uh, System resource, system resource system uh, resource hungriness because they I think you know because of the whole decompressing loading into memory and yeah. stuff like that so uh, you need a you need a powerful CPU yeah, to do so that kind of stuff so if you're yeah. running a flat pack of an application a snap of an application you the snap version will use up more system resources uh, notably of the RAM still here's here's uh, here's what I would like to see um, because I do love snaps, I love the idea of them, and I'm I'm out, I'm looking forward to an entire system filled with them. What I would like to see, at least for the desktop applications, is what what pretty much every operating system does. They do caching, right? But Ubuntu can figure out which applications you run, the top five applications that you run in the first five minutes of opening up your system, and just preload them, pre decompress them. So that they are ready to go in RAM, and when you click on them, there is no decompression time. Yes, so I, will... I know that it only takes like two seconds for Firefox to decompress and run, but instant is better. And I think if Firefox or Chromium or whatever snap it is that you run in the, the very first click that you make on that system should be pre-decompressed. 
which I, I yeah that would be a good solution also i you know in my case what i like to know is that is there some kind of real world advantage to the compression and decompression no i mean other than updating to, no. yeah i mean well i mean in the case here with ubuntu this way you can for people that want to stay on the lts for example but yet they still want access to more up to date software mm. Uh, you know, Snap solves that problem for them because you don't have to worry about what's running on the back end. So I see the advantage of this system. So I'm willing to, you know, sacrifice what a couple more seconds, a couple more CPU cycles to, uh, in order to get that up. But battery and life, though, it's gonna t- yeah. you, you take a hit in battery life because you have to decompress. Boy. Whereas on other systems, you would not have to decompress. But my answer to that battery life is one of those things, man. I, would, I, I yeah, wanted I to ask. I wanted to ask why compress them in the first place, and the reason for that is because they need more space than regular packages, so compressing them reduces that. But I think it's yeah, no, yeah but I so do. It, but I think it's <laughs> like, easier. At all, so dude. do flat packs. No, I mean, flat that's... packs are not compressed at all. They right, they use so... OS three, which is like it for. Uh, so if you, I don't mean that they that they're also mm-hmm. compressed. I mean that they take up more space. So, so and nobody even uh, an easier solution that. to my problem. The 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 preloading solution, right? That that is a bit complex, and it and it requires knowing things about your machine. The uh, I I think uh, another way to solve that issue is to give me a flag that I can set in SnapD that just says, as soon as you download it, decompress it and never compress it again. So it's always decompressed on my disk. And when I click it, it's there's nothing that needs I to be think- done. That would be yeah, cool to yeah. have some have some control yeah. over that. But yeah, I think what happens is it decompresses and doesn't go to your disk; it goes to RAM. So right, on put the it disk, disk, I don't care. Like I'll I'll set up an entire partition. I have a one terabyte SSD, man. I don't care. Like I'll do the work well, to make not, sure that not that everything is not necessarily have it decompressed, but maybe like you know you can have a tar tarball without compression. I I would like to have that in Snap. You know, well, that would sna- that would require work on the server end, and I don't. Uh, that's gonna be too much. But so, they are like they are like uh, tar archives when you download them to begin with. I think so they are like a right. single single file, so you can just they can they could just provide that file without compression, and you would solve the. It would take more space on the disk, but I think it's easier to upgrade your disk than upgrade your RAM, right, but, and it's but, cheaper. Uh, adding a flag to Snap. Uh, to store them in a different file format yeah, as that, opposed to making them store a compressed and an uncompressed version, um, I, I think the flag is, is way easier to implement. Snap install, tack, tack, compress equals no. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, foo. so wherever they live, wherever the snaps live, decompress them there because they have to yeah. live on your disk. Yeah. Just live, make them live there decompressed. That's, that's what the flag should do. And when I, ooh, oh, oh, that would, yeah. oh, that would be great. When I'd, they I'd live on that. the disk, they are like ISO. You know, they are like ISO files that you can just mount as a loopback device. Right, right. I think. So, so I mean, I'll I'll use the I'll I'll use the uh, the CPU cycles up front. Yeah. To to decompress them and store them in a way that Snap can still be used and everything, and it just goes straight into RAM without compression, without decompression. Yeah. Um, There's got to be a way to do that. There's got to be yeah. a way to hack it. Yeah. That way, every subsequent it. launch will just be. Instant. Yeah. Even after yeah. a reboot, it'll be instant. And be these cool. issues are only really present on the desktop because you maybe you maybe reboot a server once a week, 
So you can re re uh, dude. Let me them actually, let me log into my NAS. I'll tell you the last. Actually, it was uh <laughs> no, it was a few days ago. I had a there was an electrical storm and it killed my switch, dude. Mm. Um, so everything had to come down. So it's, it probably has like five days. Yeah, mine but rarely before goes that above. it was. Remind us what state you're in, Leo. Uh, Texas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they it's it's like it's either just like a a, a slight sprinkle or. A massive electrical storm. Those are the only two oh, options. God hates you. Here. Uh, and yeah. then in sometimes when you get those electrical storms, it's like tornado as well. So, you know, <laughs> it, it gets a little hectic sometimes. And um, when it starts lightning all over the place, I, I have to go and unplug stuff. Because, man, surge protectors, um, yeah, that that's tough. It, they're a bit of a gimmick, aren't uh, they? Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they work, right? I think they're, of they're them not, more. They're not for lightning strikes. They are for no. when your power grid sucks, which we also have that. Yeah. Um, and for those fluctuations, that's what power surge protectors are for. They're not lightning surge protectors. That's well, they're for me. For me, they're for like plugging nine things into. Yeah, one exactly. Outlet. It's just a power strip. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, man. Like uh, what is it like? Oh, thirty thousand joules, man. Do you know how much power is in a lightning strike? Not even close. So. Yeah. That's it's like not somewhere in the order for. of millions. Yeah, that's yeah. not what that's for at all. Um, and yeah, and then we we get that a lot. So I just have to be physically careful with my gear because uh, that switch was a was a that switch was a two hundred dollars switch, man. Uh, so I'm I'm going cheaper now because <laughs> it's the second switch. Uh, these were the Cisco business ones. Um, the one prior to that was, was two hundred fifty. Big one like this. No, it was Timport. Just a Timport. But oh. I, I I want fanless because this is out in my living room because I like the blinky lights at night. Oh, it looks so cool. But um, yeah, it was a 10 port, but it was a small business. So it was like a layer three switch, had VLANing, all the, you know, QoS, uh, all the fancy features. Yeah, that, this one ain't got none of that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Just... And, uh, and so the first one I had, uh, this was like eight, nine years ago, uh, was 250 bucks. It lasted about four years. Uh, and then the new one I got was about 200 bucks. And that lasted three years, which was about a week ago. And then I got a new one. Uh, TP-Link has those same features. Um, but it's their small business Omada thing. So if you know, if you're familiar with how ubiquity access points work, uh, TP-Link's mm -hmm. Omada is the same thing, but it, it has, uh, everything is cheaper. Uh, the router is like 60, the switch is 90 for an eight port, and the access point is also 80 or 90 or something like that. But they, they're all single pane of glass, right? So you can configure them all in one spot, which is really cool. I wanted to but make anyway. a reference to 1.21 gigawatts, but the topic has changed. Yeah, no, that that's about the lightning strike. This is <laughs> yeah. why I have those switches in the first place. So, uh, yeah, too many gigawatts killed my switch. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we probably ought to get out of no. here so I can retool No, what I, what I need to know, Bill, I asked this before, and uh -oh. I'll never answer. You never answered. Um, give me five minutes. Why do you encrypt? The hard drives, and we're talking on or, or my laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I take them on the road, and they sit in the sleeper of my truck when I'm outside the truck. And there's all kinds of fantastic ways of breaking into these trucks <laughs> with minimal effort. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I want the peace of mind of knowing that the only thing they're going to get is a paperweight that they have to nuke and pave to get it to so work. So you do whole you disk know, encryption so. or just home? The whole disk. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The whole doggone mm -hmm. thing. Because I don't I don't do a separate home. I used to do a separate home uh, partition, but then I noticed 
that applications that are trying to access things in the dot config and dot cache right, right. directories, they uh, you want that to be on your fastest drive too. Oh so, yeah. Um, what I started doing is with ButterFS, I would uh, mount the sub. I would create sub volumes for like documents, videos, blah blah blah, and then mount those to the the uh, corresponding folders in the home directory. And then I found a cool mount option for the uh, FS table called x-gvfs-hide. And it, because if you don't use that, each one of those subvolumes will be recognized as a separate external uh, storage device. Mm -hmm. And they'll like show up on your desktop if you've got that enabled, and then your file manager will show that it, it, it just clutters everything up. But if you use that xgbfs hide option, it hides all that away from the uh, file are manager. The, uh, are the subvolumes so, on the same disk as the system or a separate disk? Um, on one of them, it's on the same disk. On the other, it's on a different. Well, on the other one, I've only got one subvolume. Bill, reproducibility. The, reproducibility. Yeah. No. Well, they've got very different uses. <laughs> yeah. These two machines. They, the, uh, I've got a production subvolume. I call it production, and that mounts to a folder called production in the home directory. Everything else is on the faster NVMe drive. That way I get the best performance, but yet I can separate these things out. And the Lux encryption built into the uh, Arch, IS, Arch install on their official ISO, when you set everything up to encrypt, it's just one password and it opens everything. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, it actually works really well. Um, you get the grub menu if, you, if you've got it enabled. And then... Uh, once it gets past that, you just get a little password prompt at the top, and you, then it takes a little longer to boot, but it's worth it to me because now I know that if somebody gets it, they're not going to get my SSH keys, my, oh my gosh, the WireGuard uh, config to get back into this network. Oh, and, it's simple to just re-key re everything. Yeah, it is, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's true. I, hey, I, hey I, can, I can respect that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it, it it and it would be kind of fun you know with, with all the stress that would go along with being robbed it would be kind of fun knowing that they would start this thing up expecting it to go to windows so they can play yeah, their stupid yeah. games well that, and, i think that's already enough it, of a deterrent they're like what the heck? throw that away yeah lux uh in, <laughs> entered lux encrypted password or yeah. something like that like okay this ain't right so I mean, they would be able to get it to work. I mean, they they would just nuke and pave it and that, but they they right. would not have. Well, my that shit. that's the whole point of encryption, and right? It's not it's not to prevent yeah. them from using the stuff; it's to prevent them from getting your per personal stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you were running, for example, Silverblue, and it the system was identical to every other Silverblue system, then it would make sense to only have the uh, the home the subvolume encrypted. I've got a reason for running Arch on those devices too. Uh, I need to know that nothing is trying to get on the internet because I use, oh, okay. I have to use uh, really crappy internet technologies when I'm on the road, like tethering to my phone and whatnot. So I need to know 
100% that there is nothing on this machine that is going to try to call back to the mothership yeah. to see if I need updates or some crap like that. So it kind of rules out anything that's got an automatic package manager or anything. So basically know. package kits, I think. Well, I mean, it, the, the the software that runs on the front end, you know, like your GNOME yeah. software or, or any of these things, you know, you don't want you don't want it to the, the least little bit of yeah. bandwidth Those, can uh, make the difference. But really, they what is controlling everything that connects the graphical front end, the software center to the package manager's package kit. And uh, oh, yeah, for on example, Arch, yeah. on, on Fedora, people complain about how so how long it takes to refresh repos, and I kind of agree. Uh, now it's gotten better with 38. I just mm. have package kit uh, set to some to pre- periodically refresh the repos in the background. So when I type DNF upgrade, sometimes it just instantly spits out the list of packages it has to update. And when you think about yeah. it, it's interesting when you go into GNOME software and tell it to install something like uh, like uh, OBS. GNOME software tells uh, package kit to install the thing, and then package kit tells apt to install the thing, and then apt tells dpkg to install that package. So it's a whole, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it makes sense because I think apt does the, uh, on Debian systems, apt does the dependency resolution and the downloading and dpkg does the actual installation. There you go, kids. We need to All go right. deeper. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, get a hold of us, show at linuxotc.org, uh, comment directly on the website, hit us up on our socials. Um, anyway, that's enough for now. Uh, let us know what you think. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I've been Bill. I've been Norbert. I'm still Leo. See you, folks.